Battle Line Podcast, Ian Scotto here, and for those of you uh, who have been with us for either the past few weeks or since the beginning, you might be hearing the quality of my voice and asking, Ian, are you back in the studio? Are the studios open again in New York City? Ah, not exactly. So here's what's going on. Um, I have a pretty good mic on my computer, and I do all my voiceover and all that great stuff with this thing. The problem is when you go on Skype and all that, it gets compressed. I don't have a mixing board and all that here because I like recording everything in a professional studio, which I can't wait to be back in. Shout out to Gotham Podcast Studio. I'm looking forward to when I could be back there and doing the shows the way they normally sound and getting people in studio and not having to be so worried about the technical aspect of everything. Technical stuff is not my favorite thing, truth be told. Um, so anyway, yeah, everything gets compressed and the past few shows, including a show I had to scrap, have not been sounding the best because of me and computer issues. So this episode with Hank Strange, I was actually able to record without me cutting out through my phone. And uh, that's how I'm going to do this until I either get a new computer or whatever the issue may be. Um or uh, get back in studio, which is hopefully sooner than later. But yeah, I've been using this setup for uh, all different things, which I can get into. And before we get into this episode with Hank Strange, Hank is sponsored by Fort Scott Munitions, and so are we. That was really the connection of how Chris met Hank, and it was great to have him on. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition, that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. You're going to love this episode, by the way, with Hank, because we get into uh, a lot of things, but we also touch on why it is that Fort Scott Munitions is so great from a guy who shoots pretty regularly, maybe even more than Chris with the amount of content this guy has to pump out. Um, but yeah, with the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. So once again, Fort Scott Munitions, offer code BATTLELINE. Things are selling quickly, folks, but there's still a lot you can get there. So please check them out. Uh, great company, great people. Yeah, with that, as I was kind of hinting at before, uh, I've been working on some other stuff with uh, my home setup here. And microphone sounds great. Internet connection uh, leaves something to be desired. But because I have a decent setup in terms of the microphone and all that, um, I'm actually going to be voicing this survival series. And I don't know if I could talk about uh, the name of it, but that'll be a podcast going up soon that I'll be the voice for. And it's with a uh, pretty big company, so I'm excited for that. 
and excited for other projects. Chris has been uh, away, was away for this episode because he's been working on his insurance adjustment stuff. Uh, you know, full disclosure, he's talked about that on the show. He's working on that. Um, and with me working on other things, June, we're probably going to go back to uh, one show a week, it looks like. So temporarily, we were doing this while we were both more free. We're both getting more busy with other projects, but this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the sound quality just being back to normal and being in studio. But I was able to capture a pretty decent show uh, on the phone, as you guys will hear. And Hank was great, man. Just solid guy. And we have uh, more similarities than I realized with his background growing up in the tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey area. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. The one and only Hank Strange. On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This, this is the Battle Line Podcast. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. on battle line podcast and uh actually before i get into everything with special guest here hank strange it's so funny man if you guys have been listening to the past few shows there's been times where i'm cutting in and out and i have realized i'm able to record this fine with my phone so as i was saying to hank before we recorded i think it's time i get a new computer and you i mean it's been the same computer for like seven years or something yeah and uh you are great bro what were you saying? I said upgrade. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to convert me to being a Mac guy, and I'm like, right. PC all the way. Yeah. Well, I just think it's easier to do um, pretty much everything on a Mac. And I understand, like, I could I could do, you know, either thing. To me, Macs are just easier to use. So I do my podcast that I've been doing for the last two and a half years, and I do it on an eight-year-old Mac. You know, basically a Mac Mini. It's really not that powerful. I'm, l- I'm looking at the stats right now. <laughs> you know, my phone is probably more powerful than that, but it just works and and it's just easier to get all the audio and things like that updated versus a PC. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking to you on an iPhone. I just I I think it's just force of habit. I'm not someone who likes doing new things when I get used to something. Like I've been editing podcasts on Acid Pro since. Okay think like 2000 or really since i started in radio 2006 and okay everybody uses pro tools now or at least Adobe. right <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i use audition man seriously <laughs> i said i use adobe audition yeah i think i'm the only one using acid pro and i think it just has to do with me refusing to learn new things which is probably right. not a thing Yes, absolutely. We have to learn how to stretch ourselves and learn new things. Yes. <laughs> it's 
It's true, man. So, you know, I'm just glad that we have this figured out because it was yeah. frustrating me. And I'm glad to finally have you on. We've been talking about it a while. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, uh, Hank Strange, podcaster, YouTuber, very well known in the Instagram gun community. Okay. And uh, before we get into some of the like, I want to get into the deplatforming stuff and the censorship, because I know you're very familiar with that and affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to get into your background and how you became a guy so into guns and and into what you do and, and really growing your presence on social media. Oh, OK. Uh, I think so. First of all, I think my biggest social media outlet will probably be YouTube on uh, YouTube slash Hank Strange. We're approaching like 100,000 subscribers. And that's in the gun world. There's guys way bigger than that. So, you know, that's probably like, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the field, I guess. <laughs> It's better than zero. Oh, yeah, to me, it's huge. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and obviously I'm on all the other social medias, um, you know, when they don't kick me off. But uh, so how did I get into the gun thing? I think um, I would say I was born into it just being born a guy. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a 70s baby. I grew up in the 80s. Um, and just being a guy, I've always been into guns. My dad uh, is an engineer by education. He has a master's degree in metallurgical engineering from Brunel in in England. So I kind of like grew up with all these popular science, popular mechanics. And I was just being a guy and into guns and all that kind of stuff. I always looked at the guns. That's why people always wonder why I'm so much into bullpups more than anything else. And mostly because of the, of the design, you know, they say whatever you fall in love with when you're young, that sticks with you forever. Right. Well, that's, it almost goes to exactly what I was saying. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you don't want yeah. <laughs> the music you love, you know, when you're like 14, I, I still listen to. So I told you yeah, exactly, exactly. So me the same way. And you know, so that's why I'm so crazy about bullpups over anything else. But that was like the beginning of it for me. And I only knew for a long time what I saw in movies and things like that. And then eventually, um, because I was born in Guyana, that's where my family's from. uh, And we lived, huh? I was just saying, oh, wow, I I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Guyana. I left there when I was five. My dad went to England to get his master's degree. We lived in England for three years. Um, When he was done with that, they kicked kicked us out. (laughs) So um, my dad... We all went to live in Nigeria, where he was a professor, for another three years, and um, and then after that, we we came to live in America, and um, you know we landed in New York City, and I kind of grew up there in basically in the 80s, in the crack 80s in New York City. So that's probably the first place I actually got my hands on real life guns. Which uh, is interesting to some people, because being a New Yorker myself, mm-hmm. I'm actually able to own some things here on Long Island in the right. city. It's pretty mm-hmm. hard and, and getting harder every day to be a legal gun owner. It is. And, and it was when I was um, a kid and it's, I don't know, it's probably gotten more difficult, I would say, right? Oh, yeah. In New York City. But I mean, if I don't know how you see it, I know that growing up there, I saw and, and I believe it's still that way. You can get anything you want in New York City. It doesn't matter what the laws are. I I wouldn't be able to say, you know, it's like I've never tried to illegally buy a gun. Oh, oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the statute of limitations is run out on anything, but I could just tell you from my experience. Like, I grew up in Far Rockaway, right? Far Rockaway is John Gotti's ter- was John Gotti's territory, 
when but I was a kid. Really not far from me. I'm here in Fort Washington, New York. Okay. With the lack of traffic right now, I'd get <laughs> over there in like 15, 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, there were a lot of things just available. I mean, kids in my school had guns. Uh, people I knew had guns. So I kind of, those things were around. I would say it was a lot like we see in the movies because people didn't really know how to use it. You know, so they had these guns. They might know how to load up a magazine. They might know how to pull the trigger (laughs) and and, and simple things like that. Maybe even take it apart and clean it. But they didn't really understand the things that a lot of us, that more of us do now. It's a lot like looking at an 80s movie. People didn't aim, all that kind of stuff. So I grew up just in the middle of shootouts and all those kinds of things. And lots of times I've seen people in very close quarters shootouts and they're just missing each other. And hitting innocent bystanders, really, a lot like what the cops in New York City do. Yeah. From time to time. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of grew up with that. And then, you know, I always had this, like, fascination with um, with guns. And even when I would come across them, I was more interested in how do you take this thing apart and put it back together? You know, and I kind of went through that whole thing without super incriminating myself. I'll just leap forward to, like, my, um, you know, I wound up. I'm getting married to my wife, Lola. We moved out of New York. We were living in New Jersey. And I was and and in Jersey it's a little bit better. But, you know, I, I discovered Florida and I real like one of the things I really liked about Florida, it was just so easy to own guns. You know, and I convinced her, like, yeah, let's move. We moved to Florida and um our kids were young, so I kind of got caught up in it. But eventually I, I came back to the gun thing. And um, and when that happened, when I actually started buying guns and learning about them, I've always been creative, you know, so I've always uh, I, I've I've been involved in music, independent music, hip hop, underground stuff, making like music videos and having our own record labels, that kind of thing. Well, what so, uh, just like hip hop stuff um, in New Jersey, I was producing stuff for. Um, members, probably lesser known members of uh, the Outsiders. If you, I don't know if you ever heard of the Outsiders. You know, it's, I'm a big hip hop head, and, and mm-hmm. it's fun to talk about so much different stuff on the show with Chris. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of if I do off the top yeah. of my head. I was born yeah. in '86, so I'm obviously oh. younger. Uh, right. Trying to remember if I do. So the out, so like if if uh, if the audience is cool with us segueing into hip hop history, sure. where you would find the Outsiders is right around the Fugees. Okay, okay. So the Fugees, um, there's a, there's actually a um, heavy amount of um, hip-hop history that came out of New Jersey. And oh, so when, yes, um, you know, uh, Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature, all, all those kinds of things. So um, the, the Fugees, when they really came to fame, if you go back and look at the Fugees, you'll actually see some members of the Outsiders on the Fuji album. Um, like you would see Pace One, you would see Young Z, if if anyone knows hip hop. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly do. I do remember the first Fuji's album. And that's, right. That's a cool connection, and it's also yeah. funny because the world that you're in now is so detached from that world. It is a little bit. I mean, but I think the hip hop world is is heavy into guns. They're just not in it in a legal way, so it's kind of like. You know, the same thing with me, right? Like when I really started getting into guns and actually handling those things, um, I, 
you know, I was in the hip hop world, right? But but by the time I moved to Jersey, I was a completely different person. I was a family man, you know, I had uh, responsibilities and things like that. So I was thinking about everything legally. I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to wind up in jail. I didn't want to lose my freedom just because I wanted to defend myself. And always I've been into guns to defend myself. I've never seen it as a thing to bully people or be able to take things away from people or anything like that. Which, which I think is a good 99% of gun owners. I think so. I think so. And I think even rappers. You know, I know there's like a whole gangster personality or whatever that goes along with it. And I know there's people that maybe rap about robbing people, stealing things from people, and, and killing people and things like that. I think a lot of that is entertainment. I think most of us as human beings, to me, um, guns and, and the ability, really it boils down to the ability to defend yourself, right? What kind of an America was written out as the Second Amendment belongs to everyone, every human being on the face of the planet. Well, before he died, I mean, um, Prodigy from Mob Deep, who did a sentence for illegal gun possession, like he was rapping heavily about tyrannical government. He was very mm -hmm. big into that. Yeah, and and there's a lot of that today. Like if so, if we if we fast forward it to today on uh, the Breakfast Club. And um, what's his name? Uh, I'm trying to remember the 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 guy. Uh, it's something the God, and I don't know why. Oh, it just went. Yeah. Huh? Charlemagne. Yeah, Charlemagne. Charlemagne. Yeah, I think Charlemagne recently has been talking a lot to people, um, to to his audience, which is mostly uh, people of color, right? Um, he's been talking to them about the Second Amendment. You know, um, and, and maybe I think uh, people of color in America, black people specifically, you know, can put Latinos in that category. I think they've been thinking about the Second Amendment maybe because they're intimidated or scared by certain things they feel are happening. In a lot of ways, I think it's like a, a, a media, a perception that's created by the media that's not it's not genuine. No, of course not. Right? And, and part but, of it is also even ignorance, because I think. You know, when I talk to people, when, when I go to SHOT Show, which I wasn't at this year, but when, mm -hmm. you, when you talk to people who grew up in Texas, in Kentucky, in Montana with a gun culture, it's mm -hmm. something that's respected. It's something that's been a part of their life since they mm -hmm. were a kid. And the media is, I mean, it's run by New York and partially L.A. And yeah. people in New York and L.A. did not grow up in that culture. So it's, no. it's kind of an ignorance, the... Um, you know, the fear of, of guns and, and even legal gun owners. Yeah, I think that, well, there's a philosophy for sure behind the media and, and not just the news. I would think Hollywood. Yeah, you know, I think we know we've seen all the different scripts. Right. Or how, how can I put it? There's like there's a, a certain protocol. Did you ever see that? The protocols that they put out for guns in movies and TV shows. Have you ever no, seen this? I haven't exactly. Yeah, there's this protocol that that circulated in Hollywood um, about what to do when guns are in whatever it is, you know, if you're doing a TV show or a movie. And basically it was very negative. Like if someone gets a gun to protect themselves, they have to wind up um, someone. The bad guy takes that gun away from them, beats them with it, shoots them or their kid finds the gun and, and, and kills themselves accidentally or something like that. And it's, it's basically boils down to like CIA type uh, um, brainwashing to make you think that these are evil things. And that's um, that's worked heavily 
on on people in America and around that and around the world for that matter. Yeah, I, I also think that's why people who do grow up in a gun culture and they hear like the really stupid things that are said on CNN and MSNBC of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these people are carrying automatic weapons and they're not automatic weapons or, mm-hmm. you know, how many bullet, how many clips and there's just <laughs> yeah. errors that are always made. And I think uh, some people don't even realize it's because you're hearing reporters that are you know, largely based out of New York, and most of them have never even held a gun, let mm-hmm. alone know the terminology or what is legal and what is not legal. Right. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on that. Listen, those guys don't know anything about most of the things they talk about. It's true. You know, they don't. That's why they used to uh, bring on experts. I think I think they still do. But now, if you notice, they've boiled it down to really if they have an expert. First of all, a lot of the media packages are what, like a minute, two minutes long. And then if they bring down if they bring on an expert, you hear from that guy for like five seconds. (laughs) One hundred percent. And then a lot of the times the experts uh, fit whatever agenda they're trying. Yeah, because there's always experts on every end of of the spectrum and you know a lot of these act these experts don't get booked and they are actual experts yeah and the and the 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 reporter tends to always have an agenda direction they're going in but to and to even bring this back to like the hip-hop thing recently eminem of all people and the outsiders by the way are very connected to eminem um the first time i ever saw eminem uh you know on, on like I remember when Eminem came out and he blew up and he was really big. Um, the Outsiders actually he hung out with them before he ever got that signed that deal on the West Coast with um, with Dr. Dre and all that. He was hanging out with those guys and rapping with them. And on you'll see on some of his stuff you'll see members of the Outsiders. But anyway, so recently Eminem's been very anti-gun, right? And this is a guy who has guns. I'm sure. Uh, no, he does. He uh, he has guns. He's um he's gotten in trouble. Like I think he pistol whipped someone with an empty gun one time. I do. In California. Early on, early on in his career. Yeah, and he was he was on he was on probation, all those kinds of things. So more recently, as a as a very wealthy person now, you know, and someone who lives in Hollywood, he came out against guns. He, there's a there's an interview he did where he came out and all that. But then very recently, uh, literally a couple of weeks ago, someone broke into his house, I think in Detroit or outside of Detroit, wherever he has that place, and they had to wind up like subduing this guy, right? I think the guy snuck around his outside security and got in and somehow they subdued him but no one's putting out how they did that so some crazy guy broke into his house and they subdued this guy and held that guy until the cops got there but no one's telling us why it's very it's very highly likely there were some guns involved i yeah i would think so yeah Uh, getting getting back into your background because i do want to hear and and, you know i do the same thing with chris we end up going on yeah i'm like that too yeah i can bounce around I do want to hear about how you kind of made the transition of getting back into the gun culture and then saying, yeah. let me start a YouTube, let me start a podcast and really see where mm-hmm. this goes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we moved to Florida and I put a lot of things on hold, but my kids were starting to get older and I and I started getting into guns. I We, we have a, a piece of property where I could shoot. You know, I live in the country, farm country. Um Uh, just outside of Gainesville in Florida. And I just started buying guns and being that person that I told you I was, the the thing to me, I want to be able to defend myself, but I also like the cool factor of it, right? 
the engineering and design and the cool factor and taking it apart and all that kind of stuff. And and I was looking for a way to to not lose my skills that I'd grown over the years of making music videos and promoting things and all of that. Right. So I, I said, you know what, let me start making YouTube videos about my journey in the gun world. And that's really where my my channel started. So if anyone goes back, that was seven years ago, you'll see uh, it's like the Stone Age. And I mean, even now, I think I don't really know. I don't know anything. I was never in the military. I'm, I'm, I'm not like prior law enforcement or anything like that. I'm really just an artist, creative person who's into these things really, really deeply. Um, and I'm just showing everyone my journey, like as I learn about things. And 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 that's really how I got here. That's like the long and short of how I got here. I've just been making videos on YouTube for the last seven years talking to people about and showing people my journey in uh with firearms with the second amendment etc yeah and people have really gravitated towards you and i think it's because you're a genuine guy you're knowledgeable about a lot of different things uh and do you think it's just a specific skill set you have that you bring to the table that other people don't um i don't know i mean i think maybe it's if, if i had to boil it down it's probably a couple of different things. I would say, um, I mean, let's be honest. First of all, there's, you know, we can't take away the color factor from it, right? So uh, I'm like one of the few black guys doing it. I think more Col recently, Noir, can't forget yeah, Colion Col Col Noir would be the number one guy <laughs> that everyone knows. And I think he deserves that. And I think he's incredibly talented. Um, and then after Colion Noir would be me, <laughs> probably. <laughs> You know, and then obviously late, lately there's been a lot of people um, coming into space, Marsh to Ray, um, you know, and, and lots of other guys, uh, Kevin Dixie, um, Argo J. I think Argo Jay's actually been around longer than me, but there's and, the, and there's so many other young, younger people of color, men and women. Right. Uh, people of different different races. We've got Latinos, Asians and stuff like that getting into the game. The weird thing is that seven years ago when I started doing this, I think it was really only Noir and maybe Argo J that people knew about because a lot of black people tend to uh, they, they tend to believe in guns, but they don't want to put that out there because it kind of there's a kind of I don't want to. It's not hypocrisy. I think it's just this weird schizophrenia that happens in lots of communities, including the black community, where. There's certain things that we believe and be, like, you know, very religious people for the most part in the black community. There's a atheist. Right. But usually very religious people um, actually really conservative. They believe in defending themselves. They have a reason to be to be scared or worried about lots of different things. But then they support people who would take you know, things like guns away from them because the people who they're supporting believe like, hey, we're responsible for you. You're like our pets. We got to take care of you. And yeah. and they do things to actually put those people in jail, even though they're telling them, you know, we're not the bad guys. We don't want to put you in jail. They create these laws. So it's a weird kind of schizophrenic thing where most black people, I think, are afraid or were afraid to come out of the closet, so to speak, and tell tell the world that they're into guns. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Um, but I do think if people go to Shock Show, they'd be surprised at some of the people yeah. they see there. I will right. be honest, as someone who's been multiple times, majority mm -hmm. white audience, 
Mm-hmm. Like oh, I've seen a shot show, man, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've seen exhibit at shot show. Yeah. Yeah, you I know. Few people that that those who have never been there would be surprised by. I never thought Carl Malone was like a big second. Yeah. Order, and I guess he is if he's there. Yeah, there's lots of black Americans. Um, I tell people this story from time to time. When I was uh, younger and working in in New York, right, I used to work on the Upper East Side at a hospital called uh, the Hospital for Special Surgery, and I was a doorman. And they did a lot of bone stuff. It's very famous. They deal with, like, uh, athletes and stars, the president at that time, you know, when I was there, and they probably still do if he's got uh, orthopedic problems. Um there was this black executive that was coming that was coming in there all the time. And I remember he came in literally like in a wheelchair. So I would see someone coming in a wheelchair. Something's broken. You know, you see them go through the whole process over a year or a few years of healing. And so I saw this guy and he was an executive. He wore a suit most of the time. And, you know, like one of those uh, black executive town cars came and got him and all that. And we would talk. And eventually one day I said to him, like, what happened to you? How would you, you know? How would you wind up uh, in this hospital? And he told me, oh, I, I, I broke my leg because I fell out of a tree. And I was like, what? <laughs> How would you fall out of a tree and break your leg? And he was like, oh, I was hunting. I was hunting black bear. And I was like, you were hunting? Uh, what, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't think black people hunted anything. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was kind of trying to mentor me, right? And he said, listen, let me just tell you something. Don't ever let people tell you what black people do and don't do, you know, and he said for he he explained to me that he was from the South and that that's how his entire family grew up. And even though he was this executive in Manhattan, he still went back home and he still hunted and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of just changed my perspective on everything. You know, that's one of those things that ripped me away from whatever the media was doing that. Yeah, the reality is. A lot of people of color, a lot of people in America, this is how we used to, how, how, did, how did people in America survive a long time ago before you could just go to the supermarket and get your, your meat? Of course. That's something uh, Ted Nugent was just talking about with us. On mm-hmm. the I mean, he's a guy who's completely self-sufficient with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that, I think there's a perception, but it's not real. And uh, and and I and I can see it even more now that I live in the South. Everyone here has guns, you know, including the black people. They have <laughs> guns and they believe in it. And I and I hear them sometimes telling me, dude, from my cold dead hands. But yeah. the problem on the flip side of that is the NRA is a bad thing to them. And if you look at movies, right? You know, I remember Ice Cube in one of the triple X, the triple X movie that he was in. Uh, doing a whole thing to make the NRA look um, uh, bad in there because of all of that kind of negative reinforcement of it. No one wants to come out and say that they support those things, right? Because that would almost, they're, they're afraid to put it to you simple, right? I don't know how deep you guys get into stuff here, but to put it to you simple, like in a simple way, one of the things that black people are afraid of, black men like myself and women is to be called an Uncle Tom a traitor, right? We, do, we Like, no one wants to be called that. No, you, you don't want to be called a traitor, right? Anyone listening to us, no, you don't want someone to call you a traitor, and that word, Uncle Tom, to, to black people equals traitor, 
right? That's the N word to a black person. That's like, you know, the, the, um, the next level of that. So a lot of people are afraid of that, of being put into, in, into that box, into that category. And that's why for a long time, they weren't coming out and saying that, Hey, I'm pro gun and I'll, and I support these organizations. Now I supported NRA. I'm not a super, I'm not a super fan of the NRA anymore. Right. But I still support pro Second Amendment organizations. And I get that thrown on me and Argo J and all those other guys that I that I mentioned, Maj Ture and, you know, and Kevin Dixie and 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 all the other uh, black men and women out there who do this. They get that label thrown at them all the time. Is, is there any reason in particular you say you're not a huge supporter of the NRA? Um, just because of the things that have happened lately that I think that the NRA is just like a bloated organization. It reminds me a lot of when I worked in New York City uh, for a brief period of time. I was a Teamster and the NRA reminds me a lot of the Teamsters, you know, and unions in general. And I think that it's just bloated and corrupt and gets a lot of money from us as gun guys, but doesn't really um, represent all of us the way that we that we that we would expect them to. And I think a lot of gun people aren't really keeping close tabs on what the NRA gets up to. We we give our dues to the NRA. We give them money whenever they ask for it. And we just take it for granted that they're fighting for us. But a lot of things have come out in the last, uh, I would say, probably two years, maybe even going back to um, before Trump got elected. Things have come out that that lead certain people, certain parts of the gun community, me included, to the realization that there's a lot of corruption there and a lot of wasting of our money. And we've gotten a lot of gun control under their watch. That's interesting, man. I, I probably am one of those people who hasn't kept close enough attention. Mm -hmm. just, you know, I'm a gun owner, but it's just not in the forefront of my mind to be mm -hmm. completely honest. So mm -hmm. it's definitely something people should look into. Um, you know what I was yeah. going to ask you about is this is one of the few years that I didn't get a chance to go to SHOT Show in recent years. When I was my previous company, we kind of had a presence there every year. And I know Chris, before he was going, was dreading going this year. He got to meet up with you. He was mm -hmm. just the same thing every year. And for some reason, he really liked it this year. Was the 2020 uh, SHOT Show something that uh, was an improvement to you? Um, improvement. I don't know if it was an improvement. I think it was different because, um, you know, you always get the sh what they call the SHOT Show Hmong. You know, there's always the shot show virus going around. <laughs> you know, so if you if you've been to even just one shot show, you've probably seen that at that um, that there's always a few people that get sick. I think this year it was an extraordinary amount of people that got sick, and everyone is saying, oh, maybe that has to do with the COVID-19. It was obviously out then. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't know whether or not that's true, but I know a, a lot more people were sick. So it seemed like there were a lot less people there. There were some weird things going on uh, with SHOT Show because um, they're restructuring um, the actual physical buildings that are used for the convention. And, um, you know, and then there's a there's like there's been I don't know, I think since since we got Trump in office. Which, you know, just for like full disclosure, so everyone knows, um, I shortly before I voted for Trump, which I've voted for Republicans for a long time, but I've always uh, been a Democrat. It's just like this crazy thing. Right. And I live in Florida. So you either have to declare that you're a Democrat or Republican. Same if you say 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you say you're an independent in the primaries, they don't let you vote unless there's an independent running. So you yeah. literally can't vote. If there's an if there's no independence running and you go in the primary, you can't vote for anyone. So I left my thing Democrat for a long time. And then right before this, I'm one of those people that like just I, I don't consider myself a Democrat or a liberal at all. I'm I'm really more of like a libertarian and independent person right in the middle. Um, certain things I don't like I don't care about people's sexual orientation, their religion, you yeah. know, those things don't matter to me. Right. And, and you know what, if I could just stop you, well, you know mm-hmm. what I think kind of interesting is I almost feel like the country has already made a decision on those things. They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to reverse gay marriage, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it, it's kind of even weird to vote based on those things because those aren't really issues right now in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they really should be issues. I think those are these are personal things of what we believe, right? Like we all have things that we believe and um, – and, and there's just no way they're going to be the same. So I think as long as what you believe in doesn't hurt people or take things away from people or do some kind of damage to children, it's, not really, it's not really my business, right? You go do your thing and live life the way that you want to, and I'll live my life. And then wherever our circles cross, that's those are the things that are more important. Like if you decide that because you don't feel comfortable with guns – you're going to take them away from me when you could just not have guns if you don't want to have them, you know, then now we have an issue where we got to talk about this or for myself as a taxpayer, uh, you know, as a, as a small business person, if you want to put all the taxes on me because, because I'm working and working hard and trying to do something, uh, no, I'm not, you know, this, this is where we're going to run into problems. So, I mean, that's how I always looked at it. But the thing is, I'm saying like, I just want people to know I voted for Trump. Right. Although I think the NRA like rushed to supporting him too fast. And then this weird thing happened before the election. And this is why I'm going back to the your question about SHOT Show versus previous years. So this weird thing happened. Like I remember when I first started going to SHOT Show, it was just all ARs. You got snow blinded by ARs. Right. And then we, we got Trump in there that was running against Hillary. And a lot of companies in the firearms industry actually had what I call the Hillary plan. So they actually believed Hillary was going to win. And therefore, it would be more of the sales that they had under Obama. Right. So in the Obama, um, you know, in the in the eight years we had Obama, I mean, he was like the biggest salesman for guns in America ever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I know guys who I know guys who their houses are paid off, their cars are paid off. They got money in the bank from the Obama era. Right. So also, I think a lot of the the firearms industry had that Hillary plan of we'll just keep making ARs and people just going to buy all of them. And it kind of made SHOT Show terrible. But hmm. then you got Trump and you had this weird kind of thing going on. There was just w- this really weird, crazy period of. Is he pro-gun, anti-gun? Are we going to, you know, what's exactly happening? He came out with some anti-gun stuff, right? Trump basically wrote an executive order and and made uh, bump stocks into machine guns, right? Are you aware of that one? Yeah, absolutely. After Las Vegas. Yeah, after Vegas. That is one of the worst things that's that's happened to the firearms industry in ever, 
right? So that all that chaos that Trump's bring that Trump brings to the game, which I, I support it. I'm a New Yorker. That's what we're all about. <laughs> right? We're all about crazy and chaos. It kind of made the game interesting. And I think this is what was happening at the 2020 shot show that I don't know, might be the last shot show ever, man. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird yeah. time. I don't know if there will be a 2021 shot show. Yeah. No, we didn't know at the time that there wouldn't be an NRA show. Or any other gun show, for that matter, after that. We didn't know that. But it was this weird energy happening of, like, I was going to booths and the whole, like, I remember going to certain booths on Wednesday and Thursday. And usually, like, Thursday, you might see everyone leaving. Friday is usually a slower day. I remember, like, Thursday going to to booths at the SHOT Show and the whole booth was gone. Everyone went home. They were all sick or people at home got sick and they had to leave. You know, so it's just this weird energy going on, I think. And it was both it's almost like uh, have you ever been in in the middle of like a change period of something in the world? I know. And, I mean, yeah, just some yeah. type of traditional period for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what like if you ask me, I remember um, I never met Tonto. I always heard about him and all I that kind of stuff. Met him this year, right? Huh? Yeah, I did meet him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I met him through uh, my, my friends at Fort Scott Munitions. Great, great yeah. guy, sponsor of the show. Sponsor yes, the- yes. Shout out to those guys. They are awesome for real. <laughs> yeah, that makes for a nice little transition uh, to talk about Fort Scott Munitions since we were just speaking to them on the podcast with Hank. Uh, yes, I'm aware, by the way, guys, that you know, listening back to this as I'm editing, that Hank's vocals are a lot uh, hotter on here than mine. I we're just bearing with this as we can. I think I need to get my internet fixed, possibly get a new computer. Uh, It's weird because I've never had to deal with these issues when we were doing the show in studio because I could just bring the show back, edit it, and we're good to go. If I have to voice something, this microphone sounds fine. So it's really a connection issue. And uh, hopefully we get everything figured out and hopefully you guys are enjoying this uh, regardless. With that, Fort Scott Munitions, they're a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact. That's their trademark. If you go to their website, you're going to see what these bullets do, what they're capable of, and the technology behind them, which we get into a little later on in the show with Hank. So they tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. As I always say and spell it out, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE, one word, for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast 
We can't say more about what these guys do. We really appreciate them being on board with us and getting us in touch with great guys like Hank Strange. Um, So if you're going to order something, I got to say, guys, act now because their product is just flying off the shelves. Once again, use that promo code BATTLELINE and you're going to get 15% off. If you're in the market for ammo, uh, the tins they have are kick-ass, man. So FortScottMunitions.com, promo code BATTLELINE. Let's get right back into this interview with my friend now, great guy. Look forward to meeting him in person, Hank Strange. You know, so yeah, I met him through those guys. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I could tell you, I don't believe in fetishizing um, uh, war heroes, right? So a lot of people do that. And Tonto's kind of one of those guys, right? There's a lot of people that make the the guys who um, are tactical special operators, especially. You know, I, I I think we should be we should be proud of all the people who serve their country and go into the military. I don't know if you ever did. No, never have. No, yeah, same yeah. You. right. I haven't. So I I like I think the guy who was in there and he was a cook or he was transport or whatever. I don't care if he was washing whatever that guy was doing. That guy's awesome. All of these guys are awesome. Oh, you yeah. know. Yeah, and especially when you have now when you have guys that see combat, we have this weird thing that happens in America. I think that those real heroes, warriors, we we should hold them up. But there's people who go like over the line on that, you know, and just create some kind of person, uh, personality or persona around that person that's not real, and then they try to emulate this thing that's not real. So my problems never with those guys. Right. But because people are like that, it's always tough to like get around them. And there's always so you go to SHOT Show and, and, and those are the guys that have like so many people around them. And and so, um, you know, everyone loses their mind over it and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm the kind of person that usually when that happens, I just like play the background. Sure. You know, <laughs> so um, so that kind of thing always happens to guys like like I know Tig. And that happens to him, you know, and that happens to uh, Tonto as well. So it's just one of those things. He is. And I don't just say this because I work with the guy. Mm -hmm. And as I'm sure, you know, I mentioned in the intro that Mm -hmm. he's doing his um, flood insurance stuff right now. So he's just been Mm -hmm. pretty busy this week. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll have you back on with him. But he Mm -hmm. is truly like just such a down to earth guy from the moment Mm -hmm. I met. him. And I think people recognize when someone is real and recognize when someone is trying to put on some persona. But as you said, it's not really the guys. It's no, like- it's not him. I've never heard anything negative. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because we're on the show or whatever, you know, or, or this is. Uh, I'm saying it because I've never heard anything negative about him, right? And obviously there's, there's some guys that, you know, can we curse on the show? I don't know. <laughs> There's some guys that are dicks. <laughs> Let's yeah. be, you know, I don't even th- I don't even consider that cursing. But he's not that guy. I've never heard that about him. But I think there's always a thing, right, that people create that puts this aura around you, and it's almost becomes like a force shield. And I try to tell um, people in the firearms industry that they need to be careful with that. So, and and what I mean by this is is that if the firearms industry only goes to these special operator guys to represent their products they are um they're pushing away a certain market that's going to look at that and go like oh you know i think tonto is badass and awesome but that's not really me this thing might not be for me 
it's it's pigeonholing, but you know what? Also, I would actually say Chris is in an interesting um, position, just like a guy like Pat McNamara, in that he he is not only a special operations veteran, but he's out there every week usually teaching mm-hmm. firearms courses, mm-hmm. doing all types of cool videos. I personally know there's a lot of special operations guys who haven't gone to the range in years. Mm-hmm. So I, if you're one of those guys who's still out there, who's still active in the tactical mm-hmm. field, I, I think it's great that those guys are being represented by brands like Fort Scott, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, well, that's what I like about the brands like Fort Scott that do a little bit of both versus the brands that only get those guys, right? You know, because I think that image that they reflect, like you said, man, I think when you see when you see um, there's most of those guys are well-grounded people. Yeah. And when you actually see them and interact with them, you know, it's it may be even what they experience in life, what they have to do. You know, uh, I mean, you know, when you have to put when you have to put other human beings lights out behind their eyes. Right. And you have to, like, face the reality of all of that. If it doesn't ground you, it probably destroys you. Sure. So if you've got a person who is grounded and who's still out there serving, I think that you'd be hard pressed to find the the one that's really, really messed up and still doing that. I think that and it's that's like I said, it's not them. I think there's just companies that only, you know, they just go in the direction of that fetish, if you know what I mean. They just go like, oh, we got to get super tactical operator guys or like a lot of people in the industry to just flip it around to a completely different direction. At some point, the industry realized that women have more money than men. Mm-hmm. It's, re- it's reality, right? Um, and in a lot of cases, women pull the purse strings, right? Because especially if you're married, you know, it's not it's not that you're trying to be macho or whatever it is. Like I'm married. I don't want to make my wife miserable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want a happy home. <laughs> You know, so I don't want to be in the doghouse more than I already am. So a lot of times it winds up being a decision, right, that, you know, if you're going to spend a, a serious amount of money, which is what is spent a lot of times buying guns, you know, this is a thing that goes through the wife. But I think that the industry got it wrong and they just saw data. Oh, it's women buying stuff. And because they saw that, they were like, OK, we're only going to put women behind everything. Or we're going to make everything pink because then that will sell it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a dangerous thing to do because now if you do that, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with women representing firearms. It's absolutely needed. There's nothing wrong with the firearms being pink. But now you're going too far in that direction, right? It's almost like the issue of big butts. <laughs> and this is this is why I'm saying it's like a fetish, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like big butts became a thing all of a sudden, and now everyone has to get a big butt. And now it's like even if it's not real, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we so we don't see variety. So now so now if everyone's got a big butt as a guy, it's like oh man, I'm getting snow blinded by <laughs> all the big butts. So I'm getting snow blinded by all the AR-15s or all the pink AR-15s and all this marketing that's going only in this direction. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because as I as I kind of said earlier, I don't have anywhere near the knowledge of you or Atanto, but mm-hmm. I could tell you that when I've gone to Shot Show and I've gone to Range Day with Jack Murphy, who mm-hmm. served the Army Ranger as a Green Beret, I'm shooting all these different guns that I never shoot. So to me, it's awesome. This is an experience I've never had. But mm-hmm. then to Jack, he'll look at me or someone you know else that serves and he'll say, 
man, every year I come here, it's all the same stuff. Like gun industry really <laughs> step it up. So, yeah, I don't know if you have that same feeling where he's just like, man, it's this is the same thing as five years ago. And they, mm-hmm. they haven't innovated so much. I, I really feel that. And I really feel like they're not. Uh, I feel the firearms industry is light years behind every other industry. Light years. You know, I feel like they just found out about Facebook. <laughs> You know, and obviously they haven't. And obviously, you know, you can find most companies on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But now it's kind of it's almost too late now. Like they're they're realizing the power of social media versus magazines. Like in my personal opinion, and I know that magazines are still big in the firearms industry, but the and and I'm not trying to knock any magazines out there. But at the same time, magazines are totally useless. I can't I can't tell you the last time I read a magazine to make a decision about buying a firearm or anyone that I know that's done that. Yeah. But I think the problem is, and this is actually an interesting transition. Mm -hmm. You as a guy who is heavily on social media uh, and has your presence on YouTube and all that. Well, they're not very friendly to gun owners. And I even experienced it with a former company that if you have a guy, you know, with the business end of the rifle in the face in a picture, Facebook will censor posts like that and say, yeah, uh, this is offensive to us. We're not going to monetize this ad. If you say certain things in a YouTube video, they're not going to monetize that. And mm-hmm. I talked about this on a previous episode, uh, Tonto and I, but it's like mm-hmm. platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Instagram at one time, everybody loved them because it was like, wow, this is the true free speech platform. You're able mm-hmm. to do what you want and whatever you're into, there's a market for. And in the past couple of years, it is not a free speech platform anymore. So I do also kind of understand gun companies saying maybe we don't want to give our money to Mark Zuckerberg, who is going against the firearms industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, so part of the answer to that, right, the beginning of that is that seven years ago when Instagram was young <laughs> and the wild, wild west, the industry itself took a long time getting on there. So and you know you've got lots of other people who did get on there and they and they got a lot bigger and things have changed yes in the last couple of years as I said I think that over the last few years I would say going back to like uh, maybe 2013 the firearm again you know if you're aware of that uh, that word firearm again that was back you know I think right after the elections the second time Obama got elected uh, or real he got reelected and then we had this incident at a school and then everyone thought they're going to buy their um, that they're going to ban guns and people started buying every single gun well, and then in they New York in New York they did ban AR15 yeah right okay so the the pushback against that came from social media and came from not I'm not going to say me that's when I started doing this 7 years ago but if you look at guys like uh, Hickok 45, Iraq Veteran, you know, Military Arms Channel, Colio uh, Noir, other people, they were pushing back against this and they were organizing people and getting people out there. And then to just fast forward the story, right, to even Trump getting elected, social media, right? I mean, he's got like one of the biggest Twitters, you know, he didn't have the Repu- – Trump did not have the Republican Party on his side. Yeah. Right. So he did it. Him He did it basically through social media and through the force and will of the rest of us, like getting the message out. So the so what that boils down to, I think, is that all these platforms 
um, being very left leaning, you know, they got scared of the power that we would have on these platforms unchecked. And they decided they were going to put in checks and balances. And that's what we're all facing now. That's what I'm facing now. For the last eight weeks, I've had my Facebook account unpublished. I just got it back a few days ago. I've seen that. Yeah. So, um, you know, my YouTube channel has been deleted. Right. Um, I got it back eventually. Um, I have a B channel. That's where I do my podcast on. Um, that's severely limited. <laughs> you know, when I post things on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram or whatever, uh, it's it's uh, severe, you know, there's all kinds of limits. They delete stuff. All of that happens. So, yeah, it, to come back to what you're saying about the industry, they're like, well, why should we invest in that? And my answer to that is what the hell do you have? You don't have anything. You can't advertise on TV. You could do very limited advertising on radio. And magazines are only good to frame and put on the wall. So if you're in the industry and you're on the cover of Recoil magazine, which I think, hey, it's a cool magazine. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the guys who run that stuff and write articles on there. It's cool. But, I mean, what is that really selling? <laughs> Who's reading that? Yeah. Right. So you have this thing called social media, but you haven't made any investment in it and you don't have to invest in Zuckerberg or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. You need to invest in the in the people who are out there in the gun in the gun side of that. Do you, do you worry that in future years, though, that they're going to keep just like the Second Amendment, they're going to keep chipping away on content content creators who are pro Second Amendment, who do do gun stuff. And I, you know, my worry is that, and I don't know if I lost you here. You no, I'm still here. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, my worry is, is just if there's going to be a point where you can no longer do anything involving guns on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, where do we go? I mean, these places yeah. have a monopoly. There will be a point. There will be a point. Right now, that's the big pool. That's the big, that's the ocean that everyone's swimming in. And that's the reason why I'm not leaving it, right? I'm in there because... There are alternatives, but those alternatives are underfunded. So what I mean by that is there, there's GunStreamer, which I'm on, and there's other places, right? But a lot of those places, including GunStreamer, are underfunded by the industry. The industry spends some kind of money advertising, okay? This is multi-billion dollar industry that we're in. And, they, and if they have any sense, they should be spending at least like 20%. They're not really. The firearms industry... In a lot of ways, they're really messed up. I don't know if we have time to uh, alliterate all the different ways that they're that they're messed up, but they should be investing in in those platforms. But they're not. They're all sitting on the fence, waiting to see what happens. So guys like me, where I'm still in um, the regular mainstream mainstream social media, right? I'm still in there because where else is the game? If I go off on these other places that are underfunded. What what am I doing? I'm I'm you know I'm gonna completely disappear. So I have to stay in the game, and it, the game is here. Um, what the industry, in my opinion, needs to do is they need to prepare for that by instead of sitting on the fence, they need to take some risks and look around and figure out the ones that work the best and invest in that somehow and get ready for that. So that one day when they tell us, well, you can't do this at all on YouTube. You know, I'll just go down to what I can do on YouTube and tell everyone, hey, you know, go over here. 
because that's where you'll see the real the real gun stuff. Like right now, when I go live on um, the podcast channel, we can't even touch a gun. Yeah, we can't. Great. We can't. Yeah, we can't hold a gun. So what you're saying is true. That's already starting to happen. But the industry is refusing to invest in this thing. It's just the Internet, man. Yeah. So you, we can invest in it and we can build our own things and there'll be little islands. But guess what? If you've got an island with 50 million people on it that are pro Second Amendment and pro gun and buying and selling things, you've got a marketplace. You've got an ecosystem there. And then whatever the rules are in the in the rest of the mainstream world, we can function there to whatever to whatever rules they set and funnel everyone over to this thing. But the industry, the people out there that really have the money to do something about this, they refuse to do it. I know it because I've spent a lot of time talking to them. 100 percent, man. So, you know what I have to ask you? I have to ask, uh, you know, we we, get, we talked about Fort Scott and mm-hmm. I know that of yours they're a sponsor of ours it's all that chris shoots when he mm-hmm. does his, ta- his uh, battle line tactical courses mm-hmm. what do you like about fort scott and uh, how have you liked working with them oh i love i love working with them um what i like about them is uh something my dad always you know told me that i think he got that from his aunt that raised him and she told him uh you should like someone that loves you Right. And I think it's really good advice for a lot of people. So the biggest thing that I like about them is that I feel like they love me. (laughs) Right. Um, I never pursue them or anything like that. I met a sales guy out here locally in a store. The store was, you know, because Fort Scott's a young, growing company, but they're really good people. But, you know, folks don't know that. Right. It just seems like this is just another uh, ammunition manufacturer. No, these are good people. These are like these are these are real gun people. They really believe in the Second Amendment. They're really patriots. You know, they really want to help. They really want to do something. So obviously, a sales guy talking to the store, they, they didn't really care about the guy, and they try to push the guy off on me because <laughs> I was in there and I was like, hey, listen, you know, I gave the guy my card and I was like, you know, if I could do something. To help you let me know. But when he went back to his boss, Ryan, the owner of Fort Scott, he was like, what? Hank Strange, you know, and I'm, I'm not I'm not a big gun guy. But for some reason, he I guess he knew about me and he liked me. Well, and that's a funny way to put it. You are a big gun guy. <laughs> I don't really think so. I don't really think so. But and I'm not I'm not trying to be fake humble or anything. You know, there's obviously a lot of bigger guys than me, but I'm always surprised when people like know about me and like me and stuff like that. So Ryan actually liked me. He was like, oh yeah, give me that guy's number. I want to talk to him now. And he called me and he was like, whatever we can do to help you, we're going to do it. So that's how I wound up here. And, you know, I mean, that's the reality of it, right? It's tough in this world. Like I spend so, I spend more money after seven years to make the video, the videos that I make still, I spend more money than I make out of it. I don't make a lot of money. I would make, you know, the 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 profit at end of it. I would be better off going and working at McDonald's or as a security guard or something like that somewhere else. So we spend so much money, and a big chunk of that um, comes out to ammo. So it's great that you know someone that owns an ammo company was talking to me. You know, I was like, oh wow, this could really help, and it does help. But what I've found over the years, I think I've been shooting their stuff now at this point, maybe three years, is it's really high quality, good stuff. 
you know, it's pro- it's probably over like what I would buy if I was out there buying spent buying ammo with my own spending my own money to buy ammo to make videos because I would buy the real low end range stuff. This is high quality hunting stuff. There's some real science and engineering behind what they make, I, I believe. And we've put it through all kinds of guns. Obviously, if you shoot as much as I do, you'll come across a couple of places here and there where it, you know, it may not work. But that's been, I would say, um, maybe one percent of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time, their stuff works in guns, works great. You know, it's excellent quality. It's it's always to me on the highest uh, level of it. And I really think they have some like science and engineering behind what they're doing. And they're ju- and the funny thing is, they're just getting started. People don't even really know about them. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're doing great business-wise. They're hiring new people. Mm-hmm. The uh, upon impact is the best on the market. So uh, I, I do have to ask you as well for the people mm-hmm. out there who are in your world, mm-hmm. what out right now in 2020 that you would highly recommend and say you got to go buy this. People getting their stimulus checks that are looking to buy something new <laughs> on the market right now that you love. Um, that I love. I, I would have to, let me see. I would have to think about that a little bit. I would say definitely uh, there was a message that Henry Rifle put out, which I agree with, that they said, you know, buy American with those stimulus checks. Well, so I, I agree with that. Huh? Well, 100 percent. I agree, yeah. man. Yeah. Addiction to China. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like, you know, regardless of what it is that you're looking for, um, try to find something that's made here that uh, will support these the the industry because as much bad stuff as I said about the industry, um, they kind of need our support because of uh, because they just don't see a lot of these things happening. And I believe if you know even though they're on a high right now and they're selling everything that they make and they don't really need guys like me to sell stuff, um, there's a cliff that they're about to go off. <laughs> you know where that's gonna bounce back and go the other way. You just can't keep going up and up and up forever, right? There's gonna be you're going to fall off the edge of this cliff and that's going to happen. And it'll be sad to see um, any of these companies go out of business when all these new gun owners like drop out and maybe start selling their guns into the market and bringing down prices. So when I, when I think about what's out there, um, you know, maybe it, to me, it would be things related to bullpups and stuff like that, like, or the really cool guns, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm big into like integrally suppressed you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, integrally suppressed. If um if we would have gotten suppressors off the NFA, like a lot of us were dreaming of, <laughs> what would we, we would be looking right now would be awesome. Because I think um you know if you really I don't know if you're into suppressors or not. I don't know. You probably can't even have those in. I here. know. All I all I have here is a shotgun, and I'm not I'm oh. not so regularly goes to the range. I'm just I'm yeah. I'm not that guy. You know. I mean, yeah. Chris has been. Saying I got to come out to a course, and I probably will once uh, mm-hmm. once things change a little bit around here. Who knows? Yeah. When you got to move the hell out of New York City, man. <laughs> or or where, where you're not in New York City, I'm you're, in, a, you're in, huh? Yeah. Say that again. I'm I'm in Nassau County, Long Island, Port. Right, Washington. Nassau County. Yeah, not you're not part of five towns, right? Nope, nope. Yeah, but you're okay. So you're on the island. Uh, yeah, you still got to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll you're, see. If the podcast blows up and, you know, we're only, we've only been doing this six months, if it does, maybe I'll move to Florida or something. That would yeah, get a, southern, get a southern command, you know, a southern base. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if you, you know, somewhere in the country where you could go out your back door and shoot some guns. I agree, man. It would change your life. So I echo everything you were saying too. The gun industry are great people. You know, you go out to SHOT Show and you meet the people. I think if more folks out there who are not a part of this world came out to something like SHOT Show or an NRA convention and Mm -hmm. really got to know the individuals, their feelings would change. I I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so anyway, with that, people should go check out at, at Hank Strange on pretty much everything on Instagram, Facebook, the YouTube channel. And uh, one last thing is mm-hmm. pretty much every episode, Chris and I have been talking to, like I said, different people, whether it's musicians, actors, uh, you know, guys in the special operations community. I think everybody has overcome something in their life and, uh, you know, done something to make a positive impact on the world whether it's you doing your YouTube videos and pursuing something that you're very passionate about. I mean, what's some words of advice you'd give to people out there? I think a lot of people right now are kind of without purpose and possibly out of a job for a while and, and trying to move on to that next step in their life. Yeah. Um, the, the most immediate thing that comes to my mind, probably two things. One, don't do anything out of desperation. You know, the number one thing you should do when you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you and you feel in a, it, like everything's crumbling. Now, if your instincts tell you jump, get out of the way, for sure, do that, right? But don't make um, a drastic decision under that much pressure, okay? That's that's my first part of advice. I think that's how a lot of people get in trouble. Like, you know, you think, oh, my God, I've got – I lost my job. I have no way to um, take care of my family. I'm going to go rob this bank. No. That's a terrible thing to do. You know, take it easy. Don't, uh, you know, think about it. Let some time pass. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk to friends, whatever works for you, because tomorrow there might be a better solution. Right. And if you make this desperate decision, um, you you definitely now close the books on tomorrow. Okay, so you don't want to do that. Leave that open and and, uh, learn how to slow down sometimes and assess the situation you're in and think about it. And then the other part of that, I would say, is be deliberate. Learn how to be deliberate. I think you could separate human beings into two basic categories, the accidental and the deliberate. The accidental person thinks like everything is just happening to them and it's it's someone else and it's completely external and, you know, whoever it is, God hates them. The government hates them. You know, their boss hates them. These these people hate them or whatever. And they're the ones doing all the horrible things to them. And the deliberate person um, just exactly what it says. You know, they, they they're deliberate. They take control. They take responsibility for everything. And it doesn't mean that they're perfect. They you know, they very likely make mistakes. But when they make mistakes and when they mess up, they stop, they look at it, they evaluate how they messed up that thing, and they're deliberate about going forward um, and uh, and accomplishing whatever it is that they set out to accomplish. So I don't know if that that's going to help anyone. You know, I know it's kind of like condensed down, but uh, that's what I practice or I try to practice. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, I think especially people. Look, I could relate. Who, who aren't having the usual interactions that they do on an everyday basis, who have had to change up their regimen every day, it uh, it does fuck with your mind a little bit. And yeah. uh, people are going to need to find a new regimen. And I see myself in that same space. I've said it a few times on previous podcasts. And uh, 
we're going to have to adapt to what I hate, you know, hearing about this new normal. I don't want to adapt to a new normal, but uh, we could either accept it and, and figure out a way to get around it. Or, you know, I, I think a lot of people have gotten obsessed with what the overreach of government is going to be. And, and we are going to lose freedoms without a doubt. I mean, I mm -hmm. think it goes without saying after 9-11, we lost a ton of freedom. Right. We're going to lose freedoms now. I don't know how much you can do about it, unfortunately. So I think the best thing that we could all do, just like you say, with adapting with social media in life, you just you have to adapt. And and when we when we do get a chance to push back on that infringement in our lives, you know, do something about it, but don't let it bog you down because it definitely can make you nuts. Yeah, you always have a choice. So it's not good. And I'm, and I'm not accepting. I don't think you're accepting all these things that are happening. But we've got steps that we can take before we get to the ultimate step. So let's say let's just envision that the ultimate step is all of us getting together as the people in organizing a militia and overthrowing our our tyrannical government. If that's the ultimate step, we, we have to realize that that changes the equation of everything for us and our families and all that. So let's take the steps that lead up to that first before we get to that one. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've said it before. I don't even know if I said it on the show or in previous conversations with Chris. I mean, I've never seen civil war and I've never seen the country so divisive. And mm -hmm. I don't think we should ever romanticize a civil war in this country. I really would love no. to just more so get together and uh, figure out a way to uh, to make things work. What's going on right now is very real. I mean, I'm living it where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I think the people who are saying this is a hoax and all different types of things, I, I personally don't appreciate because I see how bad it's gotten here. At the same time, you could be uh, worried about it and also be worried about the infringements on civil liberties that are going to come because, uh, you know, to this day, you get on an airplane and you have to take your shoes off because of one asshole terrorist who mm -hmm. was successful in an attempt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have seen what can happen to a country. You know, I've lived in Nigeria. Um, and like I said, I was born in Guyana. So I, I could tell you it could go really bad. And I'm not even saying those are the worst things in the world. It could go really bad. It's not bad. It's not the worst now. Obviously, I think um, I would say this is this situation is not a hoax, a hoax. However, it is overblown, you know. And yes, when politicians get a hold of power, they are very reluctant to give it back, but they have to give it back and they will give it back. So w without a doubt, you should realize that's going to happen one way or the other. But we have a lot of steps to take, you know, before we make that big leap to that. And that's just what I want to remind people, that it's not the end of the world. It's far from the end of the world. This is a thing that's affected uh, like point, you know, what, like point one percent of people or something like that, point two, you know, so. We're we're going to move away from this and, and we just have to be vigilant and make sure that these things don't stick and keep working on reversing the things like you said that we've had since 9-11. We've had before that, you know, politicians, uh, government is always trying to do that to us. But as long as we're alive and, and, and you know, we're able to to keep making changes and, and uh, having control over that, like I said, we can make a difference way before we get to that ultimate point. I think some people are um, making a living off of whipping everyone up into a frenzy and making them think that this is the end of times. Yeah. Just, just look outside, man. 
you know, it's the sun is still shining outside. The sky's still blue. You know, human beings are still out there moving around. It's not as bad as all as all as that. And we will we will get back to a better place than this. Well said, man. So uh, I guess uh, with that and wrapping things up, you were saying Mm -hmm. if there ever is a shot show again, do you Mm -hmm. see a shot show in 2021? What do you think? Do I think my prediction of 2021, because SHOT Show takes place at the beginning of the year, is um, I would say the odds right now are 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we, we might get another wave of this. And, and you know, Las Ve- if, it ha- if it's going to happen in Las Vegas, which is like kind of a, a center hub for the world, and we get lots of different people coming from all, all over the world, it's kind of 50-50 now on whether or not it's going to happen. If it happens, I will go. Yeah. But I don't I don't know what the powers that be will do about it. But I also think that we have a new kind of technology now where we can if it's not going to happen, we've got alternatives to it. And in some cases, the alternatives are probably better. Yeah, no, you're right, man. I mean, and there is no social distancing at SHOT Show. There is no social distancing. No, you can't do it, dude. <laughs> There's definitely no uh, social distancing at the Cry Precision Party every year. No, <laughs> no, I've never been to that one. That's probably, that's one of the big tickets, man. That's that's probably above even getting into the Glock Party, which I've gotten into once, I think. Dude, the Cry so. Precision Party, I was there when they had the Mario Kart theme, and it was awesome. And I got to hang mm-hmm. out with, I'll, I'll do a little humble brag here, I got, mm-hmm. to, I got to hang out with uh, Olympian shooter Amanda Furr, very cool mm-hmm. It was It was a great time, man. That, yeah. that party is, is off the hook. Yeah, there's a lot of big parties there. I'm not a super big party guy. Neither am I. Neither yeah. I had to be dragged to go, and I had a great time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also don't get invited to the big parties, man. What can I say? You know, I think if you, you hang to... out with Tonto, you will. Yeah. You have to roll with the big boys. You have to roll with the big It's okay. Like, I would rather sit somewhere in a corner and talk to, to Tonto, uh, you know, or even you, man, you know, than, yeah. than to hang out in the big parties and stuff like that. I'm very antisocial, in case you haven't figured that out. No, well, Chris says the same thing, man. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, but, you know, what? these past few weeks of being away from people has made me realize I'm maybe not as much of an introvert as I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. you're missing it. You're missing it. So you're going to overdo it when we go back. I could tell. Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, but you're going to overdo it. On, you know, it's funny with the uh, with the discussion. I don't even know if you noticed because of the, where the camera is. You like the uh, Wu-Tang hoodie? Oh, is that yeah. what that is? Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, chess piece and the Wu-Tang symbol. What? Yeah. That's as yeah. New York hip-hop as it gets. Yeah. Wu-Tang Clan is nothing to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to have it, man. So at Hank Strange on Instagram really is where you're the most active yeah. on YouTube. Um, yeah. Or go to HankStrange.com. That's like that's the hub for everything we do now, HankStrange.com. Perfect, man. Anything else you're promoting before we uh, wrap things up? Um, no, go to HankStrange.com. You'll find out all the things that we're up to. Uh, I appreciate you and Tonto uh, inviting me to do this, man. I'm very honored, and um, it, it's been awesome doing this with you. So we got to do it again. And you guys need to come a- and, and be on my podcast, man. Even if we can't get Tonto because, you know, he's the big megastar, I'll take you because I think you're cool. Thank you. No, he would come on any time. He actually, you know, he was planning on doing this. He was excited to talk to you. And uh, I could say it because he's talked about it on the podcast. He's currently doing um, this certification for flood insurance, which is like another job he's looking to do. Aside yeah. 
speaking. No, that's cool. Yeah. And so yeah, he just was like, dude, I'm very bogged down with this right now. Yeah. So, no, that's what I figured about him, man. He works hard. He puts his head to the grindstone, and he gets things done. I appreciate that, man. I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I strive to be like that myself. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So no, he would definitely come on next time we do this. It'll be both of us. But this was a great discussion. I've, I've followed your stuff for a while now, so it was <laughs> great to finally uh, talk to the man himself. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Uh, that that uh, always puts a smile on my face if anyone can't see it because you're listening to this on audio. But I appreciate people supporting me, man. I know there are people out there who, who are supporting me. So I, I just want them to know that I appreciate it and I see it, you know, even if I don't say it all the time. Thanks, Hank. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, bearing with me with my computer issues. I think it's time to update the computer. Yes, get a Mac. For the record, guys, and for the record, Hank, I am not getting a Mac. I'm not. A, uh, I'm PC for life. This this uh, current PC I'm on has been great. And also, when I say I've been on this thing seven years, I'm thinking about it. I think it's been longer, man. I think I've had this this uh, computer since like Obama's first term. No joke. Uh, it is time to upgrade, but I think this may be an internet type uh, issue. So I appreciate you guys bearing with that. But I think, look, regardless, audio aside. I, I think Hank was a great interview. I think he adds a lot of insight to a lot of different topics. And if you're a gun guy or gal, go follow Hank Strange. Wrapping things up here, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners to the BATTLELINE podcast, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast, they've been with us since the very beginning, and we appreciate them so much. Uh, thanks to Hank once again for coming on. And uh, that's about it, guys. Follow us. Uh, I, myself, have not been active on pretty much anything. I'm kind of taking a break from social media other than Twitter. I have been active on Twitter. I'm like the opposite of Tonto. He's on everything but Twitter. I'm pretty much just using Twitter. Um <laughs> I'm I'm trying to, you know, do, I think with all of us, man, our addiction to social media and the posting, and it, it just gets to be a lot, especially with all that's going on in the world right now. We say it pretty much all the time in the episode, turn that shit off every now and again, TV, social media, don't turn off podcasts, podcasts are great, and uh, yeah, go for a run, go for a bike ride, get out there in the sun, do your thing. Go out there and go shooting if that's your thing. Uh, anything that lifts your spirit and anything that puts you in that positive mind state. With that, we will be back 
on Monday with a new episode. Um, We're sticking with the two weeks for the month of May, and then in June, back to once every week. Dude, that, that episode with Jack Carr was phenomenal. Did really well. Really appreciate Jack coming on. He's great. Uh, So that's about it. Once again, if you want to follow me specifically, at Ian Scotto on Twitter, signing out here, guys, and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. for this episode of Battleline Podcast. But we have new shows up every Monday and Friday, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Battleline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Battleline Pod. As always, never quit. Never quit.